Our Bible text this morning that captured me while you're still standing here, just reading from the Word of God, and, and really the core of, of where, where we need to, to discover and center in and let God speak, is, starts in verse 11, where the Word of God says, But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then? Will the blood of, and hear the Trinity in this, how much more than will the blood of Christ, the Son, who through the eternal Spirit, Holy Spirit, offered himself unblemished to God the Father, cleanse our consciousness, consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Amen. Let's give glory to God, can we? Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. You can have a seat. Thank you, team. Awesome, awesome time this morning. Good to see all of you on this beautiful Sunday morning. And it is a beautiful Sunday morning. Did you get a glimpse of the sunshine today? Were you grateful for the sunshine today? Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, a couple of things, uh, just watching the morning. Those of you who, like me, watched Tanner Stark growing up, did you notice how well he articulated his thoughts today? The guy's growing up, man. Isn't that cool? Give glory to God for him. Thank you, bro. Yeah, excellent. We're excited for you. Tanner, would you be at the missions table afterwards for anybody who wants to talk to you? That'd be great. That'd be great. Another thing that I just want to celebrate, this morning I started getting texts. Now, um, I've got some of that uh, post-traumatic uh, stress stuff going on whenever I get phone calls and texts on Sunday morning. Uh, it used to be early on when we started the church, like children's workers that weren't going to show up. <laughs> but praise God for Anita Schatz over there and her team. I don't worry about that anymore. <laughs> and the first person who started clapping was one of our best volunteers back there who gives many Sunday mornings to go serve. She was the first one to thank God for Anita. So, so that was awesome. I'm not going to tell you who because I know I put people on the spot. But you know who you are. <laughs> but I get this text saying, bring your vacuum, bring your brooms, bring your dustpan, pans, or whatever. It's because our setup crew got here this morning and discovered a total mess from the middle school play that took place over this weekend. Now, when we come in here on Sunday mornings, the school says, you can have the place, but we're not going to do anything to get it ready. It's as you get it, okay? So thank God for people like that, okay? And if that strikes you and you want to be on that response team rather than the pastor, you know, because I'm praying in the morning, would you stop by the welcome table and tell them, please? <laughs> I appreciate everybody and the part that they played. In, in The place looks great, and uh, people went to work, and just so grateful for our setup team every week that, that makes this happen. Don't you thank God for them? Yeah. Yeah. 
So Pastor Mike, I'm Pastor Mike, lead pastor here at Summit, really excited about teaching through Hebrews and discoveries that we've been making uh, through this study. And as I was working Hebrews 9, uh, this whole business of conscience cleanse, and I hope you heard conscience in the scripture as I was reading it, I was reminded of first and second grade. Uh, when I was in, in first grade, I attended a very new elementary school and had a very young and pretty uh, first grade. Did I say first grade? First grade. First grade teacher, Mrs. Tilburg. I remember all my teachers. Honestly, I, I love them all. I liked my school. It was all good. Uh, but somewhere before second grade, my dad had some real trouble, really struggling. And as a result of that, our house went into foreclosure. We were forced to move into a rental house in another part of the city. And my school here, at this young age, I have no idea of the comparison except to say that my new school seemed very old compared to Joaquin Robinson Elementary, as did my second grade teacher, Mrs. Stevens. And uh, for whatever reason, um, Mrs. Stevens didn't seem to care for me too much. <laughs> I don't know what that was all about. She walked with a cane. Uh, from my memory, she smacked me with it a couple of times. <laughs> this was a different day, okay? Yeah, yeah, and she could do that. I assume because of her age, she was absent quite a bit, which was a really good thing for me. <laughs> yeah. We had a regular substitute teacher that was so cool. She really, really, really loved me. Her name was Mrs. Nichols. Whenever Mrs. Nichols would teach the second grade class, she would promote me to the advanced reading circle, and that would only last until Mrs. Stevens got back. Can I get any feel sorry for you kind of things? Yeah, thank you for that. I'm glad, glad you understand all this. Uh, Mrs. Nichols even said to me one time, I just don't understand why it is that every time I show up to teach, you're over there in that reading circle. You really need to be in the advanced reading circle circle. That's, that, was, that was what I was hearing way back when. And, and I remember it. These things kind of resonate with us. But I talk about that because there's a curious thing about my primary teacher, Mrs. Stevens, that I still don't understand today. I mean, I can think about it. I, I, I know some possibilities of her reasoning in all this. But behind her desk, beneath this wall of windows, was a long countertop upon which she displayed this incredible menagerie of stuffed animals. Her one rule, don't touch the animals. Wow, what kind of teacher would do that? Display these amazing toys that every kid wants to touch and then have this rule, don't touch I share that because if you understand uh, church history, um, if you understand development, then you're familiar with this, this primary thought that the purpose of man is to enjoy God and to be with him forever. Enjoy God and, and to glorify him, excuse me, and to glorify him forever. But if that's true, 
If that's true, then why does there seem to be this cosmic rule in place concerning God that says, don't touch, don't even think about coming close. Yet unlike Mrs. Stevens, when you begin to understand the heart of God, and I appreciate all the songs today about drawing near and about knowing the heart of God, when you understand the heart of God, you begin to understand that separation is not his heart. He wants us to come as close as possible. In fact, he refers to us as his bride that he's getting ready. So touch is a very real thing, but something's been broken. Something needs to be fixed in order for that to happen. And that is really what the Bible text is about today. And we need to see this as we go forward. So the first thing that I want to highlight here is, is something old. Something old, and that something old says, do not touch. Don't touch, verses 1 through 7. When God created mankind, his purpose was for us to be with him and for he to be with us. He, he placed us in this amazing garden where we could literally enjoy life with God, enjoy his blessing. And if you understand how it all works, it's connection with God that is the source of all blessing because every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. But the problem that came into, the, into view was that we rebelled. We rebelled against God. And God was crushed. So in an effort to, to take care of this problem, God began to put systems in place. God's holiness and man's sinfulness are incompatible. That's, that's a word we know today. Systems are incompatible. If you understand God's holiness, it's like a consuming fire. And our sinfulness, it's like dried out grass. They don't mix well together. We get concerned when things get dry around here because of fire threats. Well, if you can get that picture, God's holiness is like a consuming fire. Our sinfulness is like dried out grass. Get the picture here. Fellowship with God is broken. God's heart is crushed. So he begins to put systems in place, step-by-step plan, in order to make a way for us to once again come close. This is what we're seeing today. It's an amazing, amazing love story. So I, I focused in with the scripture that we've already read today because I need to walk through the rest of this scripture without reading it, and I need you to get the gist of it, okay? So here we go. We're going to do this. We're talking about something old, do not touch. This new system worked like this. If you look at verse 1 in our text, you'll find that an earthly sanctuary was established. It was a, a tabernacle. This was a place of worship, and this was a place where God could come near and where we could, we could come near also. Verse 2 talks about a first room. And that first room is a holy place. Had some very important features there. We're not going to take time on those today. Uh, it had a lampstand, a table, and some special bread called show bread. Get to verses 3 through 5, and you come to the next room. This is the holy of holies. 
The artifacts here become all the more amazing as you understand them. The Ark of the Covenant is here, right? Uh, Indiana Jones, right? Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, this, this is very real. It's a huge piece of, of world history. Its lid had these two cherubs that were built facing each other. Um, and, and the mercy seat, this place of offering, was what they were placed upon. And right there on that mercy seat was the glory and the presence of God. Now, if this is new to you, you might be thinking, really? Yes, really. I, this is it. This is the absolute truth. This is the very presence of God. He was near his people once more. Now, verse 6, you back up and you find that the priests were continually working through um, their, their, their regular practices in that first room. Continuously, continuously working. You get to verse 7 and you find that once a year, a specially appointed high priest would then go into this holy of holies where the presence of God was, and there he would make sacrifices for a temporary, temporary, temporary covering for our sins. Now, you heard all that, right? And I don't know where your brains are. I don't know how well you're following, okay? But let's put it all together with this takeaway now in order to prepare us to begin moving forward. God had made a way through this tabernacle system for us to come near and he to be near. However, that way was extremely limited. God was close, but his presence was sealed off behind a curtain. Now, in a few weeks in our text, we're going to see that that curtain is Jesus himself. That's what this is about. And then the curtain is there to isolate. It's to say, you can come close, but don't come too close. And here's where we have to transition. It's in verse 7, because verse 6 concludes uh, this section essentially saying this. But this isn't what we want to talk about. All of this is pointing to something greater. Now, isn't that nice to know that I spent all that time talking about what we're not going to talk about? Don't you love it? Yeah. But it's a platform. We need to understand. We're moving beyond do not touch, which takes us to the second thing, something new, this present time. Okay, now once again, walking through the scriptures without reading it, you can go back and look at this. I just need all of you to grab a hold of the gist here. So verse 8, the Holy Spirit, yes, the Holy Spirit is actually using this old tabernacle system to point us to a day when all who will can come to as close to God as you could possibly imagine, and we are talking about through the curtain. Who is the curtain? That's right. You're going to see that in the text in a few weeks. Verse 9. The author here is describing this present time. So today, that earthly tabernacle, it's gone. The, the temple that followed it is gone. Why? They were temporary. They were only used to point us to something greater. That, these things, you wonder what they are. They're not music stands or band stands. They're all greater than symbols. Okay, greater than, greater than, greater than, because this is what we're talking about. 
that uh, something being put in place that would give all who will come direct access to the presence and to fellowship with the living God. A day when that old rule, sorry Mrs. Stevens, do not touch, would be no more, and God would say, come, come near, touch, let's get close. Now, digging into the present time a little more, we get halfway through verse 9 here, and we find that it has something to do with perfecting our consciences. Perfecting our consciences. Conscious cleanse, right? Verse 10 says the old system was about external regulations. Food, drink, washings, disciplines of the body. And isn't it something that still today, with everything God is giving us, we still have those police in the church who who want to manage external regulations. Don't touch, don't touch, don't taste, don't do, don't, 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 don't. But here's the problem. External rules, external regulations do nothing to get to the core of the problem. They do nothing to transform our, inter, our, our inner man. This is where God wants to work. External regulations served as temporary systems that would point to a new reformation, a new day, a new transformation, a new order is what we're talking about. That's really the book of Hebrews in a nutshell. It's all about rest and it's all about coming. That's what it's all about. It's a very simple message. The message points us to Christmas the real Christmas. It points us to the coming of Christ. The Son of God came into the world to bring into fruition what the old order was merely pointing to. It's about the, old, the end of the old way of relating to God and the ushering in of the newer and the greater. Evidence? The temple is gone. The priesthood is gone. Animal sacrifices are gone. Jesus Christ has come as the way for all who will to come back into fellowship with the Father and once again enjoy His presence walking with Him. That's you and me today. This is our opportunity today. Our religion, our faith is about relationship. It's not merely about some types of external exercise, rituals, or or duties. We live in a day when God cleanses within, conscience cleanse, in order that with full confidence we can walk with Him. Please touch. Please touch. So I was in Cleveland. Um, I have some buddies. We like to go to baseball stadiums. Uh, they've since kind of abandoned me on those trips because they like to go on weekends. Most people, you know, get weekends off, and I'm kind of busy on weekends. 
but enjoyed traveling with them for a number of years. And we were in Cleveland, and, and uh, you know, uh, honestly, back then the Indians were selling out every week, and we actually had to buy from a scalper, and I did not like that because we were hiding behind cars buying tickets. And the guy's like, I've got four together. I've got four together. Oh, four together, we'll take them. Then we get to the stadium, and we find out, well, you're over there, and I'm over there, and, you know, yeah. I wanted to stand next to the firemen. You know, they were taking uh, firemen uh, support uh, gifts, and, and uh, they told me, hey, we always get tickets. Hang out by us. But my buddies, they were anxious. So we're buying from a scalp. Your pastors buying from scalpers, hiding from the police <laughs> behind, behind cars. So uh, we decided we wanted to go to the uh, Hard Rock Hall of Fame. Check it out. The featured event there was of Elvis, and so upstairs was dedicated to Elvis, and and when I got upstairs, right away what I noticed was a Martin guitar. So I leaned in on the rope. I wanted to get close, as close to that guitar as I could get. Well, nobody told me that leaning in on the rope qualified as do not cross the rope. Immediately, Every alarm in the place is set off. I am not kidding you. Immediately, an entire security team is rushing up the stairs. They're coming in off the elevators. They've now lined themselves up against the wall, and they're watching my next move. I'm not making this up. Well, finally, they disarmed the alarm, and and one of my buddies came over and uh, stood beside me because I'm like, you know, I'm not moving from this spot. <laughs> and he said, what did you do? I said, I just leaned in like this and I did it again. <laughs> the alarms are going off. Everybody, <laughs> everybody's on heightened awareness. Only I would do the same thing twice. I didn't get it the first time, right? Yeah, you all heard that rule. You know, hey, you messed up that time. Just don't let it happen again. Well, I let it happen again. Slap me if you want to. Yeah. Listen, I have no clue why my second grade teacher, Mrs. Stevens, would put these amazing stuffed animals on display for all to see in a second grade classroom and then post a sign that says, do not touch the animals. But I do know why that sign was on that guitar and on that display. It was to protect the guitar. Would you agree? Yeah, protecting the, the guitar, and I do know why we could no longer come near to God, and it's for the exact same reason. It was to protect us until God could make a way for us to come back. Friends, Jesus is our way back. Yeah, give glory to God. Jesus is our way back. You can do that. Do not touch was, was temporary. So then someone's like, well, does that make that old tabernacle system irrelevant? No way, because that system is evidence for all times that God's plan is playing out perfectly. It is, okay? So now, if you're following my outline and you're hoping I'll just build on that old wedding poem, you know, something old, something new, well, sorry, right here I had to mess it up, okay? Because instead of something borrowed... This is about something given right here. And what God wants to give us is a clean conscience, conscious cleanse. The old tabernacle, the sacrifices 
made there did nothing for our inner man. They did nothing for our, our conscience. And if you think about that, isn't it amazing how the basic problems of mankind just don't seem to change? We know what to do about these external bodies. I mean, if you want to lose weight, eat protein, more protein, right? If you want to run in, in a marathon, load up on, on carbs, right? If, if you want to build up your immunities, I don't know, what's your trick? Vitamin C, what? Golden seal. Apple cider vinegar, right? Green tea extract. We've got all sorts of stuff to treat. The outer man, the medical world has made amazing breakthroughs. We live in an incredible time. But what do we do about our consciences? What do we do there? The conscience if we will listen, is, is like a warning light on your dash saying something is broken and it needs to be fixed. Real-time sin reminders highlighting for us what keeps us from coming near to God. It reminded me of a roommate I had at Northern Arizona University. He didn't want anything to do with Christ. He didn't want to hear about Christ. He would say, you know, I'm a pretty good guy, and these kind of things. But on several occasions, I, I remember saying to me, why do I feel so dirty? I feel so dirty. Why do I feel? And he'd go take another shower. I feel dirty. I feel dirty. And, and that is the truth for all of us. That old tabernacle there to point us to the reality that something needed to change. That's all it's about. So now I want to read the text again that I already read. And maybe it's going to begin to come together for you. Verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is, made, that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not part of this creation. It's the eternal tabernacle. It's in the kingdom of God, right? Verse 12, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal salvation. Not a temporary patch, but eternal salvation. Awesome. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean. Sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more than will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Does anybody like that? Can anybody give glory to God for the word of God? So the old system, the priest would go into this high priest once a year, go into the holiest of holies um, to take the required sacrifice there. The wage of sin is, is death. God's prescription was that an animal must, animal must die so that we wouldn't die. Okay, this is what's going on. Temporary fix. Because God considered the blood of an animal as a sufficient temporary price. But it did nothing to change the human condition. Did nothing to change the heart. In the new system, animal sacrifices are no more. They were there to point to something greater. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the ultimate sanctifying, satisfying 
sacrifice. He stepped off his throne, stepped out of his perfect world in order to offer himself as the sacrifice to end all sacrifice. He alone can transform a man within so that suddenly our desire is to be about the things of God. It's not borrowed. It's something given when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Something old, something new, something given, something not blue, but something true. Yeah, the only answer. Here we are. As modern as we think we are, as advanced as as we think we are, the fundamental things we still deal with are, are the same. We are separated from God. We can't find our way back on our own. We can't be good enough. Thinking about the presence of God and being in the presence of God, that is the place of fullness and blessing. Every good and perfect gift is come, it comes from above. That's the place we need to be. That's the place we need to get. Jesus is our happily ever after. Being with God is our happily ever after. Yet the tragedy, we have been separated. Our consciences are constantly reminding of us of that, us of that. Left to ourselves, we are not able to, to cross that expanse. We just can't get there, but there is an answer. God has the answer. When your conscience rises up to condemn you, think about what God has done. Hebrews 9, 14, turn to Christ. Turn to the blood that was sacrificed to Christ. Turn to the only cleansing agent that can cleanse your inner man and give you victory in life, the kind of victory that you were designed for. And hear the words again. I just want to put them in my own words a little bit. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse your Cleanse my consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may be about the things for which we were created. God saying, please come. Please touch. Come close. Come with confidence. Don't be afraid. Come through faith. Come through the one who has made a way. Come through the curtain. Come through my son. This is what we're talking about. This is what the word of God is talking about. Let the Spirit just work in your heart and be honest with God about what He already knows. I'm amazed at articles I see from time to time about treasures that uh, people fail to recognize. Treasures people fail to touch and take hold of. Maybe it's an inheritance never claimed, maybe it's a gift never received. Maybe it's a tax refund that someone didn't realize and it still sits there waiting. Well, most recently I came across an old Jesse James picture that sold on eBay. I'm talking in the last two weeks, sold on eBay for $10. It's estimated value $2 million. One man recognizing its worth grabbed a hold of it with everything in him. Another man, not recognizing its value, let it go. The greatest treasure you will ever grab a hold of is your creator and letting him grab a hold of you.
God has made a way. It's through his son. Call on the name of Jesus. Recognize you're not getting away with stuff. God knows. He doesn't want to condemn you. He just wants you to recognize it. And in that, to have a heart of turning, repentance, to say, I've done my thing, hasn't gotten me there. Today, I'm coming home, and I'm grabbing hold. Please, touch. Please touch. That's the word of God. Praise be to God. Yeah. Let's just take a moment and pray before God. This is just you and God. I'm, I'm fascinated in my teaching the things that speak to people. Often has nothing to do with anything I've said, but often it has to do with what the Spirit of God is saying. Why did God's Spirit lead you here today? And, and what is it that God's Spirit is saying to you? How will you respond? Right now, Father, we want to thank you for your great love. Thank you that you don't impose rules out of cruelty or out of frustration. Though we recognize that our choices have led us to cruelties that we face and frustrations and things that just don't make sense and we don't understand. But thank you that you're constant and that you do make sense. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for paying the ultimate price. On our account, because of what we've done. And today we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of people, even now. Let's worship together as we continue to allow God's Spirit to talk to us.